Hold my calls. Thompson briefs flicked the lock on his office door as he barked out the command. At 10.30 a.m., the temperature in the Massachusetts coastal town had already reached a brutal 94 degrees, and the despairing throb of the antiquated window air conditioner did nothing to alleviate the problem. The brass doorknob twisted greasily in Brief's hand. The heat wave that had gripped New England for a relentless two weeks had begun to feel like his personal demon. He shook his head, as if trying to expunge his sense of frenzy and oppression. But there was no escape. The heat followed him everywhere, clogging his lungs and nostrils and swelling his eyelids until they ached. Beneath the urbane lines of a navy blazer and knife-pressed khaki trousers, his middle-aged but athletic body railed at man's impotence when confronting the forces of nature. Briefs ran damp fingers across his well-formed lips, then tested the lock again. Through the door's frosted glass panel, he watched the blurred outline of his secretary move across the outer room, a tall and hopelessly angular female physique topped by an aging, toothy face and hair the color of dirty sand. Jane Alice Miller's single display of femininity was a bold slash of fuchsia lipstick. Brief stared through the glass at the repellent color. The door panel illuminated and enhanced the purplish-red shade like a rainy night magnifying the glare of oncoming car lights. Are you all right, Mr. B? It sure is hot out. Jane Alice idolized her boss. She'd been his willing slave for thirteen years, and so abject and fawning in her attentions that her fellow employees at the Newcastle Herald were convinced she had masochistic tendencies. That, and the fact that her sole source of solace seemed to be an obsession with aging or dead movie stars and their life works. She could rattle off the name of any film, its cast and director, as well as recite salient lines of dialogue. It was a trick she was not encouraged to perform. Mr. B., are you okay? Briefs didn't respond. Instead, he automatically repeated his previous gesture, passing a perspiring hand across his mouth and then wincing as if in physical pain. Maybe you need a bicarb, Mr. B., You probably didn't get enough sleep last night after that lavish fundraiser. Speaking of lavish, Mrs. Hausman phoned to thank you. She said the affair went very well. Jane Alice's gawky form bobbed about as she spoke. She was so close to the door's far side that Briefs could hear her palpitating breaths. She sounded like a gaffed sea bass, the thought of which immediately produced a spasm of nausea. Thompson was forced to gasp and shut his eyes. Sweat covered his scalp and the backs of his legs. Did you hear me, Mr. B? This heat sure is something, isn't it? The meteorologist says we can't expect any relief for at least another week. Oh, Mrs. Hausman also said she's lunching with the mister today and mentioned she stopped by to show her gratitude in person. Sort of like when Adolf Manju... Briefs leaned his head into his palms and groaned aloud. The last person he wanted to think about was his editor-in-chief's newest wife the flame-haired, aggressively voluptuous Betsy Hausman, nay Grimpilski. Mr. B? I heard you! The words flared out of Brief's mouth. He groaned again, but more softly. Mrs. Hausman already telephoned my residence to thank me for last night. She neglected to mention she'd be lunching with her good husband. The former Betsy Grimpilski's husband, Stephen, was a quick-tempered septuagenarian who'd clawed his way up through the Herald's ranks. Ever conscious of having been denied a prep school and Ivy League education like Thompson's, Hausman's response to any adversarial situation 
was sudden and ruthless anger. His feuds and vendettas were as legendary as his rages over misprints and errata. Heads could roll over misspellings. Careers were threatened by sloppy reportage. Stephen carried this business doctrine into personal life, becoming a vengeful and often malicious opponent in the many competitive sports he played. There were few golfing partners he didn't outlast, few squash and tennis courts that hadn't echoed with his outraged shouts. Hausman also believed he could outmaneuver Father Time if he picked a younger bride, as soon as the previous model began to show wear. He married frequently, with the fervor some men reserve for purchasing automobiles.